0: welcome to the living by faith podcast my name is josh de and you're tuning in for episode number 10. this is a podcast where we take a look at news and events theology and history all from the perspective of the christian's life of faith in jesus christ let's go ahead and get started black lives matter we see and hear the statement everywhere we see we hear it in the news we see it on social media we see it on t-shirts And more and more, we see it spray-painted on buildings and historical monuments. What's the deal with Black Lives Matter? Now, it's imperative that we think through this because of the cultural moment that we live in right now. And I do say emphatically, think. It's important that we think our way through this and not just feel our way through it. Now, at the outset, as Christians, we ought to say, of course, Black Lives Matter, In one one sense, the statement itself is an obvious truth, but we need to take a step back and understand why black lives matter, why why we can say that without any hesitation as Christians. And it starts with God. If you take God out of the discussion, the statement black lives matter is meaningless. The retort would be why and on what basis do black lives or any life matter? But when you start with God, the creator who made human beings of all ethnicities and in his image, it's obvious. Every life matters. It is all, it all has intrinsic value. Every human life has intrinsic value. So all life matters and therefore black lives matter. But along with that, we must say all black lives matter. Not just the black lives of those that are killed by police officers, which accounts for a tiny number of black deaths in the United States, but the black lives snuffed out by senseless violence matter. The black lives taken by other black human beings matter. The black babies who are not even given a chance to live outside the womb matter. Did you know that in New York City in the last couple of years, at least the last two years in a row, and maybe the last three or four years even, there have been more babies who have died because of abortion than born alive. Those lives matter. So I'm great with the statement, black lives matter. I would simply like to add one word, all in front of it. All black lives matter. So black lives matter. Yes, all of them along with all other lives, because God is our creator and we all bear his image. But many are using the statement Black Lives Matter as a part of a larger movement which connects with the organization Black Lives Matter. I'm going to say BLM from now on. The organization BLM is bad news. Even just a, a brief glance at their website should send every thinking Christian running for the hills in the opposite direction from the organization BLM. Just listen to a cup. Just listen to a portion of their um, their website on the page "What We Believe." Here's some of what it says. It says we make space for transgendered brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift Black trans folk especially black trans women who continue to to be disproportionately impacted by the trans antagonistic violence. So they're clearly on board with all the um, transgendered confusion going on in our culture right now. Another part of uh, of their website on the same page says, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. Now let me just stop right there. The Western prescribed nuclear family, make no mistake about it, is the biblical understanding of the family. Mom, dad, and children. Father, mother, and children. They say we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. Going on, it says re- the, this, this family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children. To the degree that mothers parents and children are comfortable now when they say we disrupt the nuclear family um just know that the nuclear family is the building block for any civilization any civilization the building block for that civilization is the family Remember at the beginning of creation, God created all things. On the sixth day, he created man. He created Adam. He said it's not good that he's alone. So he created a woman to be, his help me, to be his helper, suitable for him. And from there, they had a family. And so the nuclear prescribed family to disrupt that is to disrupt bi- any kind of biblically informed civilization. And that's, that's what their aim is. Their website also says the following, we foster a queer affirming network. We, When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heter- heterosexual, un- uh, unless he or she or they otherwise uh, disclose. So you can see that they have radical understanding of um, a radically... Antithetical understanding of the world, of human sexuality and so forth, um, from the Christian worldview. So all this is from the website. We believe page. You can go and find it yourself. Find find that information yourself. There's so much more on that page that talk about their political ideology, which is also extremely disturbing. But then there's also their approach, uh, their political approach of revolution, which promotes violence. Just the other night, maybe it's last night, it's uh, Thursday right now, so I think it might have been Wednesday night, um, June 24th. Um, in an interview on Fox News, a, lit- a leader from the New York uh, BLM chapter, Black Lives Matter chapter, um, said the following He said, If we don't get what we want, we will burn the system down. And he went on to say, made it very clear, he says, you can take what I said figuratively or literally, it's up to your interpretation. So he's clearly, he's not, he didn't back away from that statement at all. He says, you can take it figuratively or, or literally, it's up to your interpretation. He went on to speak in a condescending way about the due process for, um, for cops accused of misconduct. But in a fair and just legal system, it's built on due process. Due process is the legal rights and protections every person deserves, and, and that would include a right to investigation, a right to a fair trial, and so forth, a right to defend yourself. Without due process, there is no justice, and so you cannot fight injustice with another form of injustice. BLM says they fight injustice, but the way that they seem to do that is by promoting another form of injustice. They fight against racism, but one way it seems that they do that is by um, employing another form of racism. To be clear, mob justice, or excuse me, mob rule is not justice. Violence and riots, which may produce certain results, But without due process, it's not justice. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is gaining more and more power, and this ought to concern every Christian committed to the gospel. And so, to sum up, as Christians, we can certainly and should certainly and heartily affirm the value of every life, those of black people. Black Lives Matter. All Black Lives Matter. All Lives Matter. But we have no business getting behind or supporting or even giving the appearance of supporting and cheerleading a group like BLM, like the organization Black Lives Matter. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. We must do this. We must hate what is evil. God hates what's evil. God is one who defines what is evil, and we must hate what is evil. Injustice in all its forms, whether at the hands of a rogue police officer or by the hands of a revolutionary organization like BLM, is evil, and we should hate it. But we must also hold fast to what is good. Black lives matter. All black lives matter. All lives matter, and they all matter because God The creator created each one in his image and for his glory. The next section is the catechesis section. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of catechesis or of learning the Christian doctrines by way of a catechism. This usually took place in the form of questions and answers where adults and children would learn the basics of the Christian faith. I think this practice is sorely missed. I think you, when you look at the landscape of the Christian church right now, there is a largely a, an ignorance of the Christian doctrines of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And I think this practice, taking up this practice again of learning the Christian doctrines by, by way of a catechism would benefit us a ton. And so I'm just seeking to do my part to uh, promote this, and I encourage you to do the same. So I'm making my way through a more modern catechism called the New City Catechism. It takes from um, a number of ancient catechisms and creeds and has put them together with more modern language in the form of 52 questions and answers with scripture for each one. So I'm just doing one a week um, We are at question and answer number 10. And question 10 is this. What does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? The answer, fourth, that on the Sabbath day, we spend time in public and private worship of God, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. And fifth, that we love and honor our father and our mother submitting to their godly discipline and direction. Let's just think about these commandments a little bit in more detail. Fourth commandment: It's good for us to rest and nurture our bodies and our souls. It's good for our bodies to be to receive rest, physical rest from work. And so God has given us a, a, a day for rest. For the for the Jewish people, it was the seventh day. For Christians, traditionally, it's been the first day of the week. It's been the Lord's Day or Sunday when we gather together for worship. It's good for us to to take that day and rest from our ordinary work. But it's also good for us to have our souls nourished and have our souls nourished on the Lord's Day where we gather together with other saints and we worship the Lord and, um, and receive nourishment for our souls. The fourth commandment also points to a deeper kind of rest, where we rest from our works and rest in Christ's finished work. And of course, this points forward to the time when we will fully and completely rest in the finished work of Jesus forever when we enter our eternal rest. The fifth commandment. Fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother. So important in the mind of God is this commandment that the transgression of it is named among a host of other sins that we would more normally consider. We would normally consider more egregious sins in Romans 1.30. when describing the wicked. It says among other things, it says they are disobedient to parents. Paul says in Ephesians six one through three that this commandment. To honor your father and mother is the first commandment that comes with a promise. The promise is that it may go well with that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. And as parents, if you're a parent, you really can see how this promise is played out in a home where children are required to obey their parents. Things generally go much better for them where. There is laxity and, and, and really very low standards for obedience to parents. In those homes, things generally don't go as well for kids. It doesn't go well for them. And we can see this and we can just attest to the fact that God is faithful to what he says. The scripture for the question and answer number 10 is out of Le- Leviticus number 19, it's verse three. And it says, every one of you, shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. In the history section today, I want to talk about a book that has helped to shape the Christian church for almost 500 years now. What book is it? It's the book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's likely you've heard of the book before which is a collection of stories of faithful Christians who were persecuted and often martyred for their faith in Christ. But do you know the history of how the book came into being? That's what I want to cover here today briefly. Well, it, it's, it's named after the man who wrote and published the, the first original version. His name was John Fox. John Fox was born in 1516 in England. So he was born just prior to the Protestant Reformation, Uh, when that kicked off, which kicked off in 1517. John Fox was a Roman Catholic who was converted and became a Protestant through and through during his days at Oxford University. In fact, he was expelled from school because of the reformational doctrines that were considered heretical beliefs at that time. Uh, The way that the story goes, he was overheard praying Um, Over a series of nights, he'd be out late at night, he's praying, and his prayers were so formed and shaped by reformational truth that when he's brought in and questioned, he he was discovered as being a Protestant through and through, and he was expelled. After being expelled from Oxford, he worked as a tutor for a wealthy family, and it was at this time that he met his future wife, Agnes Randall, who shared his Protestant faith. John and Agnes were married on February 3rd, 1547, and it was about this time that the Pope's inquisitors began to persecute not only Christian leaders who de- deviated from the Roman Catholic teachings, but also private individuals and families. Agnes's parents took in John and Agnes for a period of time, which helped them evade the, the inquisitors, but when Queen Mary I brought back all the Roman Catholic doctrines, and the Pope's authority, fully the Pope's authority in in fullness, the Foxes felt they had to leave England. After moving around Europe, they settled in Basel, Switzerland, and there found some English refugees who had fled England, seeking, uh, seeking refuge, seeking safety from persecution. And this is where John Fox began his great work of compiling stories of Christian martyrs. When news spread among Christians throughout Europe that Fox was working on this book, he began receiving scores of letters from people in, from many nations who had been persecuted or witnessed persecution. John Fox and his wife Agnes and their family returned to England in 1559 and he expanded his book up to the account of the famous church leader Archbishop Thomas Cranmer and his execution when he was burned at the stake in 1556. The book Fox's Book of Martyrs was originally published in 1563 and since then has had many editions and revisions up to the present time. Although Fox's Book of Martyrs is full of historical accounts, it reads less like a history book. The book highlights the faithfulness and grace of God to keep his people and the full assurance of faith and commitment of the saints who laid down their lives for the Savior. It would benefit every Christian to get a copy of this book, at least I think it would, and read through it over time. Of course, when you're reading stories of Christians being martyred, you can only take so much at a time. Um, You can only read so many accounts of people being burned at the stake or or um, beheaded, or flogged, or gored by a an ox, or something like that, before you have to put it down. But over time, reading through these stories, it is so inspiring and so encouraging to see Christians who are faithful into the end. Revelation 12:11 tells us of those who overcame the devil, and who and 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 tells us how people over- overcome the devil even now. It says they conquered him. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. Think about this. The stories chronicled for us in Fox's Book of Martyrs, they they tell us how Christians overcame the temptation to throw in the towel and to deny their Savior. And not only that, these Christians in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, they add to the great cloud of witnesses we're told about in Hebrews 11 and 12. These stories of these saints, these people that belong to our spiritual family, they help us to run the race set before us. We're told to look to Jesus, look forward to Jesus, look up to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but we're also told to look back and consider those who have gone before us and who were faithful to the end. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please subscribe, like, and share. And until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.